Well, today I'm going to be by myself. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit about the history of Courageous, Being Daughters Rooted in Grace, the journey of the book, and why I wrote it. In light of Mother's Day, I'm going to be speaking specifically to moms, even though this book was written for all women, pretty much anybody who's ever been a daughter. It's really getting to the heart, the root of who we are as women and the needs that we all have. I'm going to walk through kind of common questions that I get as women have read this book and have been surprised. You know, I had a woman who has never had children. Uh, She was in her late 40s, and she told me that this book spoke deeply to her, even though she had never had children. And yet, really the heart of what this book came from was years and years of sitting with women in my counseling office. I would hear the heart, whether I was sitting with a 12-year-old girl, a 25-year-old trying to understand her identity, a 50-year-old working through a recovery of betrayal, or you know, a 35-year-old mom trying to navigate her own fears and her parenting. Every mom would talk about how to deal with bullying for her girls, mean girls, or body image issues, or uh, fear of her daughter being sexually abused because of her own story. And just as I've sat over the years with women, there were so many themes. I just thought, you know what? I wish we could all just sit in one big room and have a support group, really realizing that none of us are exempt from struggles. In fact, I felt myself saying over and over and over again, get off social media because it was just killing women, especially in those early days as it was coming out. Um, And even today, we're just so consumed by looking at other people's lives and not realizing that what we're posting is not necessarily the whole story. So the comparison game that us women struggle with is just so real. I talk about these issues in Courageous And I really unpack it in light of my own story. Yes, I'm a marriage and family therapist and a licensed professional counselor. Yes, I'm the clinical director and um, I'm a business owner and have walked alongside many. But I also am a woman and I'm raising two daughters. I'm raising uh, two girls. They're now 11 and 13. And so as I was Thinking about all the things that I was learning over the years, I'd come home and I'd be with my girls and I realized they don't know me uh, in the counseling room. They only know me as mom who has to discipline or makes dinner or, uh, you know, is kind of navigating what to wear to school and what do I tell them not to wear and when do I let them have their own choices? You know, the normal things that moms struggle with. And I just realized that if anything, I wanted my girls to understand the depths of what I was learning in my office and what God had shown me in my own journey as I struggled with bulimia, as I learned um, that my identity was not founded in my performance and in what I do. And even though I do a lot, people will think, oh, wow, give you accolades, you know, look at you, look at what you can do. I have worked really hard. It's kind of an oxymoron to say I worked really hard to not work hard, <laughs> but I have brought all of that to the Lord, and He has really shown me at the core of who I am that I'm loved no matter what, and that's what I wanted for my girls. That's what I want for my clients. That's what I want for all my friends and their daughters, and so courageous. I really just took all of the, the core root struggles that we have and 
there's kind of this other epidemic that was happening at the time um, that I was really kind of asking the Lord about and just saying, okay, there are so many definitions out there of what a healthy woman looks like. And even though all of us might say we love Jesus, the confusion on what healthy relationships look like and what um, a strong woman might look like, the variety of definitions were huge. And so I didn't want to write a book about the fruit of our life. I wanted to write about the roots of our life. And when we are rooted in this confidence and knowing that God loves us, um, that we are known even when others don't really get us, uh, that we can be uh, resilient in the midst of storms, uh, and that our courage doesn't come from us mustering up this sense of, I can do it. It comes from a sense of knowing that I'm not alone and that I've got the God of the universe who raised Jesus from the dead in me the moment that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if you aren't a Christian and you're listening to this, there's a lot about courageous that you'll resonate with, even if you aren't a follower of Jesus. The truth is, is that I wanted my girls to know my story. I wanted my girls to know the story of a woman who's real, who's honest, who doesn't hide, and who presses into relationship and doesn't journey alone. That's what Courageous is about. So I wrote it for my girls. And then, you know, along the way, we started this, these groups called Courageous Girls. And it really did start with my own two girls. I asked a few moms, uh, friends of mine, you've heard the story before if you've listened to other podcasts, but I asked a few of them and said, hey, these girls are going to face a lot of real life, especially because we're going to public school. But even in private school and homeschool, my clients over the years, regardless of the schooling choices, have faced a lot of real life. It's just hard to be a girl today. And so I said, you know what? I want my girls to know how God's word touches the um, real parts of their story. And we're going to talk about it before they know that they need to talk about it. And all these moms said yes. So we started meeting once a month and, and going through lessons, uh, talking about body image issues and changes in our bodies. I mean, I've heard so many women wounded by the lack of conversations in their home not knowing about sexuality, not understanding the changes in their body, the shame uh, that they felt just by God's design because nobody had helped them understand what was happening. Also, because I've just worked with a lot of trauma, I understand too the vulnerability of girls that don't uh, know the language, uh, haven't learned to use their voice and to stand up for themselves. So those were things that I wanted to integrate in this journey with other moms and our daughters. And so we started in second grade with my oldest. She's now in seventh grade. Um, but over the years, we would just meet once a month and I would have every mom lead a lesson. And what was fun about that is my girls and their girls got to see all the different varieties of leadership. It's another misnomer about us women as we think there's only one kind of godly Christian woman. And the gift of being in my role as a counselor is I've seen a vast variety of God's design, and I am blown away by His creativity. And I wanted my girls to see that. And granted, our small group, uh, Courageous Girls Group, does not give the vast variety of uh, examples out there, but just based on our different wirings, uh, our different stories, 
uh, or different trainings, each of the lessons would come out a little different. It was really fun to see. Well, fast forward a few years, there were other moms who were starting these groups because they wanted to duplicate it. So we gave them the lessons. And then over time, there were more asks. And now we have groups all over the globe. This is not something that I started out of the gate saying, I'm going to do this. I was literally just really responding to the heartbeat of what I was seeing in my counseling office and what I longed for my own girls. So if you were to take Courageous and to read it with a few other moms, I wrote it in, a, or actually women in general, I wrote this so that um, you'd be able to maybe go a little deeper than what we're used to. I kind of got sick of being in book studies and Bible studies where we'd only go so far. And as a therapist, I've been accused, maybe even before I was a counselor, I've been accused of always wanting to go so deep. You know, don't talk to Tara. She's going to ask you deep questions. Uh, that's part of my wiring. I'm what's called an innovator, and I can't help it. I, wa- I want to know the why. I want to know what's underneath. And so the depths of this book, it, it, it tells my story, my struggle with eating disorder, And I'll tell you the bottom line of most of our struggles. I don't really uh, think that there's that much of a difference between someone who struggles with body image issues, someone who struggles with alcoholism, someone who struggles with their sexuality and using uh, relationships as a means of, of finding their identity. I don't even think there's that much of a difference of using social media as a way to cope because the bottom line is we struggle with our emotions. We struggle with knowing how to find comfort, and most of us, sadly, did not get the comfort that we had wanted or needed along the way. God designed us with emotions. And yes, as women, though we don't like the stereotypes, our brains are different than men, and the the dynamics of our brains does make, um, and our hormones, does make us a little more up and down in our emotions doesn't mean men don't have emotions. And in fact, that is a misnomer. And if you're raising boys or are in relationship with a man, they too have emotions and oftentimes have a hard time finding comfort. But the way we express them and the way we feel them, it we have to be taught how to process them, how to deal with them. And so my struggle with bulimia, really, though I struggled with the curves of my body, I was not um, overweight. But what I struggled with was feelings of shame, feelings of disappointment. I even was angry and I didn't even know I was angry. But these feelings that I would not know what to do with and I would eat instead. And then I would feel enormous fear because I would eat too much. And with all the messaging of our culture, I would think I'm going to gain weight. And if I gain weight, I'm not going to be pretty, you know, in that vicious cycle. And so then I would purge and I would purge through exercise or in throwing up and Bottom line is that though a lot of eating disorders are deeply connected to some sort of abuse um, and we disconnect from our bodies, we don't like to to see our bodies as part of ourself, we kind of separate ourselves, I think most women can relate to the idea that we struggle with our emotions and knowing what to do with them. And women who are listening to this and and men who are listening to this and, and thinking, hmm, well, my daughter or my wife or my friend or myself, I don't, I'm not very emotional. I'm not maybe the typical woman. And I would actually say that that's probably related somewhat to your story, a little bit to your wiring, but a lot to your story. So courageous is this journey of how to process our wirings, 
how to see the delight and how God loves us and designed us to be able to be confident because a confident woman, she's a courageous woman when she can be confident in who God made her to be and then celebrate other women and don't see them as competition. I mean, that is a number one struggle for all of us women is to see one another as competition and where that leaves us is loneliness and to not feel like um, we're competing against one another. And what are we competing for? I don't know. I take it back to the Garden of Eden, and maybe we're competing for man's attention, and it's part of the fall. I don't know what it is. But at the bottom of it all, there's no need to compete. In fact, we need each other. And these courageous girls groups, though hard as they are to do relationship well with other women, They're modeling to our daughters how to do relationship well with other women, other girls, and how to work through conflict. It's another struggle that I've seen over the years is women not knowing how to do conflict well. And so I touch on that in the book. I mean, it's a lot. I cover a lot, but I'm keeping it at a level that feels tangible where you can digest it and have dialogue and hopefully if you read this with another woman, a mentor, a mentee, or a group of friends that maybe you'd even uh, weave a deeper friendship and start a a more trusted relationship and learning more about yourself and about others. And if you were a mom, that you would begin to model to your girls and your boys a different way of being. Because ultimately, we can want for them to have great friendships. We can want for them to be courageous and confident and resilient and to have a voice. But The truth is, is that the greatest way that they will become that is when they see us doing the same thing, being the same way, living the same truths out in our stories. So chapter one, I talk about how she walks with confidence. And in chapter two, I talk about she embraces holy crap because the truth is, is that life is hard. And I kind of got sick along the way of this um, theology that I hear as if if you love God, then hard things won't happen, or you'll know how to navigate through those hard things. And to be honest, I mean, maybe I have a front row seat as a counselor, but I have known some of the most amazing, godly, Christ-like people who've had some of the most horrific stories. And that theology just doesn't line up. There's just a lot of hard stuff. So I unpack just that root lie that um, if if we are um, godly, or courageous, then hard things won't happen. And I would say the other thing, the the reverse is true, actually, is that we embrace our holy crap. We see the the junk in our life, both the things we've done to ourselves and to others, and the uncontrollable things that have happened to us. And we see that as manure that could be used to grow the fruit in our life. Chapter three is a cheesy saying that I have said for years, and I just titled that chapter because it covers our emotions, and it's a courageous woman. She feels it to heal it. And it's a helpful mantra that's helped me to not avoid my emotions since that's been a core issue for me and obviously in the counseling room helping others. She tunes into the voice of grace is chapter four. And it sounds hokey and pokey to talk about, I don't know, listening to God or hearing His voice. And I totally get that there's been a lot of spiritual abuse, a lot. Um, those that are in the church, out of the church, and those that are trying. I've experienced it myself, and I love, love, love God's church. I am the big church with the capital C, and we have a lot of variety of ways that we uh 
we celebrate or we worship and we do our liturgy on Sundays, but the truth is, is that the gospel is one of grace. And it says you don't earn God's love. You don't earn it. And so I wanted my daughters to learn how to discern the gospel that says you don't earn it. And in fact, you get the DNA of Jesus, of, of the God of the universe, the moment you trust him. And you don't have to keep striving. And the voice of shame, the voice of performance-based faith that continues to be uh, perpetuated today, just trying to streamline through that. And so I'm helping women to really try to discern, maybe develop some habits that help discern, but what does the voice of grace really say and how do we pass that on to those that we're mentoring and loving? Chapter 5 talks about that she knows who she is in community. This comes from just years and years of hearing people talk about how they need to go find themselves, you know, and uh, yeah, I just got to get a backpack and travel through Europe and I'm going to go discover myself. And the truth is, is we weren't designed to find ourselves by our all alone. We discover who we are in our relationships as people affirm us, as they tell us, I did not know that I could write a book until many people over time, many, many years kept saying, you should write, you should write, you should write. And eventually I heard that it was time for me to write. The same as being a counselor or of knowing that I had any wisdom. I didn't know I had wisdom for years, but it's the people in my life who continue to affirm that in me. And I think we uh, need to really speak that into our, our kids. They need us and we need other people in our journeys along the way, other friendships that continue to remind us of who we are when we're facing a lot of the lies and the mental games that we play with ourselves. Chapter six talks about how she makes and keeps friends. And though I'm a very outgoing, extroverted type of person, I can make friends like that. But to actually let them into the deeper layers of who I am, I've struggled. And I've seen that with so many women, many leaders in the church, actually. So I unpack conflict resolution and boundaries and when do we draw the line with those that are doing harm again and again, and when do we show grace? Uh, That can get really confusing for us women, and often I think we're teaching uh, women and our daughters to be codependent. Uh, The definition basic for that is, I'm only okay if you're okay, and somehow that is rewarded in the church, and I am just really passionate about helping us to understand that To love someone well, it doesn't always mean that I'm going to make you feel good. Let me say that again. To love someone well does not always mean that I'm going to make you feel good or make you happy. Or when I have to love you well, it might not make me feel good either. And so some of those ways that we teach in the church, um, or we just maybe tell our kids some of these trite sayings, we, we need to stop and really think, is that really the message I'm trying to pass on to my daughter? or to my son. Chapter seven, I talk about that she's fearless almost. And and there's this process of understanding anxiety and fears and how to navigate through those and know that to be courageous, you're going to have them. Um, To to be able to process um, the unimaginable things that have happened in our stories and um, I even talk a little bit about Catherine Wolf and her book, Hope Heals, and she's got a new one, Suffer Strong, that, um, and Catherine's going to be a part of a conference we're doing. We're just so grateful 
for her story of a woman who had one of the unimaginables happen, and she has really um, brought truth and hope and learning how to suffer well. So a courageous woman learning how to be fearless and not have to be over-controlling about our lives to keep all the bad out because we just can't. Chapter eight, I had the hardest time kind of cramming sexuality into one chapter because really the truth is the entire book is about sexuality if I don't talk about it overtly because knowing our identity and our finding our voice and processing our feelings and understanding our minds and keeping keeping um, track of our thought life, all of those are connected to our sexuality as well. But chapter eight is she is his beloved. She knows she is loved and she is not seeking that out in the inappropriate ways that we do sometimes, um, looking for love in all the wrong places. But she's not um, fearful of her sexuality either. And to be able to delight in what God has designed and yet knowing that there's boundaries around it. And so I unpack that a bit. I explore just a tiny bit about gender identity, uh, sexuality, and uh, what in general is healthy and not healthy, even from a clinical worldview and less of from a moral stance, but just what we understand um, breeds healthy relationship and how to really talk and process more with our daughters. And we do a lot of that in Courageous Girls. She Dreams Big is chapter nine. And, you know, I'm a dreamer, so it comes easy to me. But what I've learned over the years of working with those in trauma is that it's really hard to dream. It's hard to believe that something good can be on the other side of this when we've had so much harm happen. And so learning how to move beyond um, our pain and to step into dreaming. But the other piece that I've noticed is that women don't tend to dream very big for themselves. I know the generation we're changing, and this younger generation is definitely seeing um, that they can really do anything because of the internet and uh, the American Idol kind of phenomenon that's happened with reality TV. But the truth is, is that deep down inside, many women... um, really get stuck in the ordinary moments of their life. And they're focused just on making meals and getting their kids to soccer games and have forgotten about the dreams that they once had. And so kind of unpacking both sides of that. One is if that's your dream, then that is amazing. Delight in that. I mean, I have a couple friends who lost parents really early on. And so their dream was to just have a safe home and they are putting and pouring their entire lives into that home and that is the call on their life and their that family is a light to so many and so to know that those ordinary moments are a beautiful part of our dreams and yet there's many others who feel stuck like that's all there is to them and so this chapter is to help us unlock a bit of that part of who we are that God had already planted in the DNA of who you are. In Psalm 139, he says that he wove us, he knit us together in our mother's womb, and he already knows the days ahead. And so there were dreams that he put inside us, so helping us to discover those. And then I end with the final chapter on practicing rhythms of rest. I want to be able to, to not just be a driver, uh, but to be able to be okay with being. You know, we're made to be human beings, not human doers. Some people have said that. And and the truth is, is learning how to have rhythms in our life is really important. 
And so I often, I'm, I work with leaders and so a lot of drivers and a lot of um, people that do, do, do. But I would just say women in general, we're just caretakers and we're not really good at resting. So learning how to rest, learning how to be bored, learning how to play, um, yeah, we can get pretty serious. And those of you that are listening that know how to play, we need you. We need you, especially as adults who know how to play. But to be able to play with our kids, to be able to uh, have time to rest, to teach our kids how to um, slow down and know that being uh, on a schedule every day of the week is not good for us. Uh, We talk a little bit about the digital world there in that chapter and just what is good for our brains and what's not good for our brains. And But the truth is, is that Courageous covers a broad wealth of things that uh, we struggle with as women. And I think at the end of the book, you'll feel normal. (laughs) You might have some tools, actually. I provide a lot of practical tools, bringing in my clinical hat. But my hope and prayer at the core is that you will know less about up in your head, but in the gut and core of who you are, that you are loved. And that maybe you would even go deeper with a few in your own community. So this season is a really good season to grab this book. In fact, we have a couple deals going on. You can go to the Courageous Girls, uh, mycourageousgirls.com website, and we're giving away a free book for every five that you buy. Or christianbook.com is actually featuring Courageous, Being Daughters Rooted in Grace. And in the month of May, from May 4th to May 25th, you can get 40% off of one of their discounted prices of Courageous, Being Daughters Rooted in Grace. And if you use the code Courageous, then you'll be able to get that discount. We'll include some of that info in the bio here, but I just, it's a good time to get this book and to grow in our resiliency, and to be able to recognize that our courage is not from us or from what others say about us. It is because we are God's children. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He has the plan, and He knows the plan, and He has numbered our days. And there is a sense of confidence to be able to step out into the call that He has for us individually. My life is different than your life, and you're called to live your life. There is no other you, and there's no other me. And so when we can recognize who the the me is and the you, we need a community to help us do that. And to be able to heal from our stories, because those that are beneath our our wake of leadership, our children, our mentees, they're watching us. And they're watching how we comment about our bodies. They're watching what we focus on, um, how we talk to ourselves out loud. The voice of hope and grace is one that is needed desperately in these times. And we are confused as girls. Uh, we got a lot of messages coming our way. And I'm not saying I have the corner of the market, but I will say that I have heard a lot of the voices from different corners of the market. And at the bottom of it all, we've got a lot of similarities. So my hope is, is that this book will not only um, bless you, but it will uh, remind you that you're not alone. You're not alone in this journey and that you have been given a life, a life worth living. And there is something pretty profound about who you are, your story, and what God's fingerprints um, 
what he has for you and the community that he's placed you. And then for those that want to take it further, if they've got kiddos, uh, girls in their life, they can do Courageous Girls as well. And that is a free curriculum online that we do with our daughters that takes these principles and really stretches it out over the years of their lives. And we're doing able to do more deeper discipleship. Well, it's been an honor to be able to talk about Courageous. I get interviewed all the time about it, but I haven't been able to just kind of word vomit, basically, all of the things that have been in my heart. And eventually, uh, my hope is is that my girls will be able to tell their story uh, someday. Uh, we're going to be doing an interview with them here soon, and they've been so excited to be able to talk about uh, their little journey at 11 and 13, and I look forward to seeing who they are as women uh, someday. Thank you so much, and I hope you get your copy, and if you already have one, maybe you bless somebody else with it today.